Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you. You are the solid rock in whom our hope is securely found. God, we give you praise this morning. You are worthy. We want to thank you for this body of believers who are gathered on this corner. We want to proclaim your name, that you would be famous in all the earth. We thank you for those you are sending out into the nations from here. Be with them. Bless them. That they may in turn bring you glory. And Father, as we talk about this topic of spiritual battles, God, we have something to be thankful for on Thanksgiving is that we have the victory in Christ. And we thank you for that. We thank you for sending your one and only son for us that we might be given the right to be called children of God. And so, Father, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week we uh, started a, a series called Paranormal Activity, Understanding Our Spiritual Battle. And in last week's sermon, we talked about the enemy. We talked about the adversary, the one who seeks to uh, tempt us, and make us oppose the will of God in our lives. And we mentioned how this enemy is a sneaky enemy. Now the title of this series may suggest that the the enemy, the devil, the adversary is a frightening or a terrifying supernatural being. You know, based on the the movie series, Paranormal Activity, it might suggest that he's some sort of frightening uh, supernatural being. But actually the best definition, I would say, in describing the enemy is a stealthy or covert supernatural being. The Bible talks about the enemy as one who masquerades as an angel of light. And so deception and misdirection is his A-game. And that's why he, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Often when we face certain trials, we are unaware of the one in whom we are truly battling with. But like I said in my prayer, there is something that we can be thankful for on, th- can be thankful for on Thanksgiving. We have the victory in Christ Jesus. And God's word shows us this, teaches us the truth about this battle that we all face, but it shows us how we can overcome and be victorious in Jesus' name. And so today we're going to go a little bit deeper into this topic um, and how we can overcome the attacks of the enemy and be victorious. Now, as many of you know, I have a background in martial arts. This is something I've shared many times something that I used to do many moons ago. Um, Although I've lost quite a bit of my abilities, I still have a bit of uh, knowledge on uh, self-defense and physical confrontations. And there's three things we need to remember when we're in an altercation, a confrontation. First thing is this. It's important when you are engaged in a physical confrontation to have a firm, solid stance. 
Actually, that is the most important thing, is the stance, the position, okay? The most important thing. I need to be grounded and centered. Without that, I can't do the next two things, defensive technique and offensive technique. I can't do those things if I don't have the proper stance. And so that is very important. And I believe this is the same thing in our spiritual battles and conflicts. We need these things as well. We need a proper positioning, a stance. We need to know and understand how to execute defensive strategies and also offensive strategies. I think Paul was receiving knowledge from the Lord when he was in prison writing Ephesians. When he saw the Roman guards that were guarding him, I believe the Holy Spirit gave him inspiration on this while he looked at the armor and different pieces of the armor, right? And he was given that inspiration on how we can be victorious in the spiritual battle. And so for the remainder of the series, we're going to look at the armor and we're going to focus on these three areas of spiritual battle strategies. And the first thing today we're going to look at is the idea of having the proper stance. The proper stance. If you have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read uh, verse 13 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. It says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Now, I come from a family of three boys. I'm the oldest of the three, and uh, I have a younger brother. He's five years younger than me, and another younger brother. He's 12 years younger than me. So there's actually quite an age gap between uh, my brothers and I. And so, so much so that actually my youngest brother, when I was 16, people thought I was his dad. It's kind of weird, you know. Went to a restaurant one time. This lady's like, is that your son? I'm like, what? <clears throat> Anyways. So, uh, three boys, big age gap. One of the things that we liked to do growing up was test each other's strength. You know, we used to battle with one another. And my dad would get involved. And of course, my dad is the strongest of all of us. You know, my dad worked out a lot. He, you know, he was very, he was very strong. And uh, he would get us to arm wrestle him. And, we, I mean, I could use both hands and all my body weight. And I couldn't, I couldn't move his arm. You know, he was just so strong. And so for my hopes of being the strongest person, you know, it came from my brothers only. So I naturally dominated my brothers, you know. Not just in arm wrestling, in wrestling, you know, play fighting and so on. Now, my brother, my younger brother, five years old, young, five years younger brother and I, we were in martial arts together. And so we have that training. We have that understanding. But my youngest brother, he, he doesn't have that. Uh, he did not take Taekwondo. So he doesn't have that uh, ability or the know-how. And so when it came to, you know, just play fighting or physical uh, play fighting, he didn't stand a chance. Now, of course, he's 12 years younger, but, I mean, he, he just didn't know what to do. Well, now, many years later, 
My youngest brother is 22, and he's a student at Laurier, and he's a tank. I mean, he works out a lot, and he's very strong. And uh, often when we get together for family uh, gatherings, we're going to get together t- this evening as well. He's probably going to try this on me, but he'll, he'll try to test his strength with me, you know, and just to see if he could, because he, he is stronger, definitely stronger than me, you know. And so he'll try to, you know, wrestle me and do all sorts of different things. And, uh, but I have an advantage. I have an advantage. I have that proper stance, okay? No matter where the, you know, the wrestling or the fighting, play fighting goes, I'm able to get back to that place of being in a proper position. If I'm on the ground, position. If I'm on my feet, position. And so in that sense, yes, he can throw me, but because of my solid stance, he's unable to do so. Just saying, okay? (laughs) Standing firm, I believe, in a physical confrontation is the most important thing. If I'm not standing firm, I'll be wavering. I'll be weak. If my position is not solid, I will easily fall. And this concept is true even in our spiritual battle. Our position must be solid. We must be centered and grounded. We must stand firm. So what does it mean to stand firm? Jesus preached a a sermon, perhaps the most difficult sermon he preached. And we read about it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. A very difficult sermon. And at the end of this sermon, Jesus says this in, in chapter 7, verse 24 to 25. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Standing firm requires a firm foundation in which we can stand. It's difficult to stand firm in a bouncy castle. But when we are on solid ground, we can stand firm. And that firm foundation for us is Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says this, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our firm foundation. I love that hymn that we just sang, right? On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand sand. There is no other foundation in this world. Not money, not status, not our citizenship, not our uh, education or our titles, nor possessions or people. Nothing can come close, even close to be solid enough foundation for us to stand. Christ and Christ alone is our solid foundation. The very foundation in which we can stand in our battles in life. 
when the rains fall and the winds blow and beat on us, when the enemy attacks us in various ways to make us weary and fearful and burdened, Christ is our all in all. Christ is our all in all. Now, the sneaky way that the enemy attacks us is distraction. He distracts us by luring our attention away from Christ. We get off focus by being lured into a chase after materials, after possessions, the American dream. He distracts us by luring our attention inwards towards ourselves, self-fulfillment, selfishness, to make us chase things such as beauty, the, what the world calls beauty. And, and, and on this chase, eventually we come to a point where it's like we realize it's like chasing after wind. Like Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes, everything, all of this is meaningless. It's like a chasing after the wind. But we continue to chase, thinking we'll find satisfaction and fulfillment in our souls. Meanwhile, the enemy is exceeding, is succeeding in this battle by distracting us away from the most important thing, which is Christ, our firm foundation. We can lose our footing and get bombarded with thoughts and accusations from the enemy to make us be in a place of opposition to God. We need to be brought back to that place, some of us. Back to the place where Christ is our all in all. Where Christ is our firm foundation. That solid rock in whom we stand. We need to be brought back to that place where Christ is our magnificent obsession. Where Christ is our number one priority. You see, we were created for God. We were created for that reason, to be with God. And we will not find true satisfaction and fulfillment in this life apart from Him. John Piper said this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Our maximum experience of joy and pleasure in this life is found in God. Through Christ Jesus. Our maximum experience. The maximum intensity and duration of joy and pleasure in life is found in God. Through Christ Jesus. And the devil knows this and wants us to be lured into a search for joy and pleasure in the things of this world, trying to knock us off the firm foundation in which we stand, that is Christ. So church, we need to be aware of this tactic of the enemy, that the chasing after fulfillment in the things of this world is a lure that the enemy uses to bring us away from the actual source of joy and pleasure, which is Christ, 
knowing him in the fullness of his love. We need to understand that tactic. So my question to you this morning is this. Where is your footing? Where is your footing? What are you chasing after? What occupies your mental real estate the most? I like that saying, right? What occupies your mental real estate the most? Just take a moment and think about that. What are those things? What are those things that you are constantly pursuing, thinking about? Those things, when the rains fall and the winds blow, which they will in this life, they will. Those things will not provide the stability needed for us to stand firm. All other ground is sinking sand. And you may ask, well, what are ways that I can change this in my life? How can I make Christ my number one priority? How can I do this? Church, I just want you to know, I'm working on this too. I'm working on this too. To make Christ my magnificent obsession, my number one priority. We need to work on this. And and Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so, from the moment I wake up, we seek God. From the moment we wake up, make it a habit to seek first God and his kingdom. It could be through prayer. It could be through scripture reading or a combination of both. It could be through meditation. And thanksgiving is a great time where we can do that. Meditate on all the the great things that we have. There's always things to be thankful for. Thankfulness is a vehicle. It's a vehicle to glorifying God in our lives. And so meditate on those things. When we wake up, I just took a breath. And that's because of you, God. I just, I'm awake. And that's because of you. I give you praise. Now, I'm not a morning person. You can ask my wife. I can be quite quite grumpy sometimes. But it's interesting. For certain things, I'll get up in the morning. Five in the morning sometimes. You know, if I'm going on a trip. No problem. I'll get up five in the morning. Yep. My dog has to go for a walk. Yep, I'll get up. No problem. My kids, they need to go somewhere. Yep. The free breakfast at Waterloo Town Square. No problem. I'm going to get up. We're going to get in line. Free pancakes and sausage. Hallelujah. Yet when it comes to making God my priority, it's a battle. I wonder who's behind that battle. Because the enemy knows that when we seek God, we will find him. And when we find him, we're going to want to seek him. And when we seek him more, we find him more. And it's this continual 
increasing, ever-expanding revelation of the fullness of joy that comes from God and God alone. Our maximum experience of joy and pleasure in this life is found in God through Christ Jesus. All other ground is sinking sand. And so church, I have a challenge for all of us. I'm preaching at me too. Let us seek God. Seek after the kingdom from the moment we wake up. Even if it's a quick prayer. It's amazing. When I wake up in the morning and it starts off with grumbling, my entire day is a day of grumbling and complaining and whining, murmuring. (laughs) Unbelievable. But on those times, those few times, where God, where Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior, is my priority in the morning, it's amazing the difference. My day is rooted and grounded on the solid foundation, which is Christ. And when the winds come and the rains fall, which they do, they do, I have a more solid foundation to get through my day. So church, let's do that. Let's discover more of God. Make Christ our magnificent obsession, our number one priority. When we do that, the foundation that we stand on will be firm, solid, so that we can stand firm in the day of trouble. And God will deliver us from all the power of the enemy. There's nothing that the enemy can throw. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let us pray. Lord, your word says that you have made known to us the path of life and in your right hand are found pleasures forevermore. The fullness of joy are in your hands for us. And God, you are most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in you. And so, Father, we ask that you would show us the ways in which in our lives we can make Christ Jesus our firm foundation each and every day, that we may withstand and withhold, come against the attacks of the enemy that try to make us lose our footing, our balance, our position, our stance. We ask that you would give us that solid ground for us that we can stand firm, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for all you've done. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sin. We thank you that you made a way for us. You made it possible for us to be in the presence of Almighty God in your name. And it is in you we find life forevermore. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.